If I had stayed on the bus, perhaps the man who reeked of gin, who had looked at me sideways once too often, had become aware of my predicament. How many stories do we hear about young girls who find themselves in the wrong part of town and are never found again? I could have become another statistic, but instead, I was safe, riding shotgun with my dad, stopping by our local supermarket to pick up groceries on our way home. The situation I was in led me to think of all the possible outcomes where I could have been abducted, raped, or murdered. At times, the scenarios I pictured were so graphic they left me wondering whether perhaps there is another version of me somewhere that has lived it. Maybe we slip in and out of alternate worlds through our minds and our imaginations, picking up scar tissue from other dimensions. My recollection of the night I told that lie is just as vivid as if it were yesterday. I remember how the words tumbled from my mouth, my mind unsure of how the story was being formed, like a spider that spins its first web without any comprehension of where the ability was acquired. I can recall the looks on the faces of my two best friends, their eyes wide with horror and disgust. I saw them through the window, I said earnestly, when I was collecting for the Red Cross. I was known to be an honest person, and unless it was completely outrageous, my word was as good as any. The window I was referring to belonged to a house I walked by every day on my way to school, and it was easy to furnish it with my half-truths and utter fabrications. Shortly after the establishment of the lie, a fight broke out between me and Candela, who cried tears of disbelief and wanted to confront the protagonist of my carefully crafted narrative. Realising this would implicate me, I did my best to dissuade her from doing so. A decision I now deeply regret. Indeed, if the lie had been kept contained among the three of us, it would have ended there. If it would have come up in conversation years later, I would have admitted it was purely fictional and that I had no idea what drove me to create such a story. However, without our knowledge, Eve... Candela's kid sister had her ear pressed against the other side of the door, and she later relayed our conversation to Candela's mother. It was the opening the lie had been waiting for. Through this channel it slipped beyond my reach and spread through our small town of Three Oaks, like wildfire. All at once, everyone knew the sordid details of the lie I had fabricated, it was blindly accepted as truth. It was apparent that Candela's mother had not given away any specifics of how she came by the rumour, as no one seemed to know its true origin. In the dying embers and blackened twigs of a ravaged forest, who could distinguish where the first spark was lit? Only the arsonist knows the exact location where that match was struck. Days later... The victim of my deceit, 17-year-old Anna, was found in her family's white porcelain bathtub, with blood gushing and bubbling from her two delicate wrists. It was on the same night that I suffered my first panic attack. Two.
Anna was the original sad girl. She held the unofficial title long before her death. We all became sad girls after that. At her funeral, everyone wore black because it was customary, and because it was the colour that best defined Anna. We learned in art class that technically black is not a colour, but rather the absence of it. Black is a shade, one that holds its presence in every gradation of grey, departing only with its transition into white. I've always thought of white as a clean slate, an unwritten page, a snow-covered field or a wedding dress. White is starting over, an absolution from your sins. That day, I was the furthest away from white.